Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Yesterday on Wednesday, the World Health Organization declared coronavirus a pandemic. Um, and we're, I guess I and probably you are sort of not sure what to make of life and reality right now. Um, you know, this really seems to be moving quite quickly. Um, I can at least speak to my experience. I saw that, um, you know, a month and a half ago, some stuff was happening in China. Um, my family was actually supposed to be in Thailand for Pesach this year. So we were looking toward the East pretty closely because um, we knew that we had a feeling it was going to impact our personal plans. Um, it's pretty easy, I think, in the world to see problems as not your own when they don't touch you, <laughs> you can kind of say, oh, that's being tucked away over there in East Asia. That's not going to affect me and my way of life. And then um, pretty quickly, I would say a week and a half ago, things started to heat up a little more in terms of it's just getting more real. Last week, even to another extent, to the point that coworkers were asking me, you know, do you think Perm's going to get canceled? Um, and, you know, yesterday morning, we woke up to the news that a modern Orthodox school, SAR, has 23 uh, confirmed coronavirus cases between uh, students, staff, and teachers. Um, and, I, you know, I think everyone right now is trying to figure out, I mean, I guess there are people that have different uh, ways of handling this. I think there's still people that are saying, you know, this is a hoax, it's um, some political motivation. Although I think as this moves forward, um, I think more people are starting to get the sense that this is uh, real um, and that we have to be prepared. Um, I think that the Orthodox community is taking this up quite seriously. Um, I've seen, you know, different um, halachic rulings saying that um, if someone is, you know, ill or infirmed and, um, you know, is a risk for them to be in a public place, they should um, either have the Megillah read you know in their home by one person or in the most bidievit situation um rev herschel shafter um ruled that they could um hear the megillah being read live during purim um and certainly a lot of um repeated information to wash your hands to not touch your face to not go into large gatherings um as an organization um another thing that we're kind of thinking about is you know, our work here at Project Malcolm has um, given me a lot of mental health information. And one thing I learned about in this process is Maslow's hierarchy, that um, when your basic safety is under threat, you can't be thinking about the meaning of life. Um, you're kind of most concerned about, um, you know, do I have shelter? Um, am I safe right now? Do I have food? And then as you kind of move up the line of having your physical needs met, then you can think about your emotional needs. You can think about your spiritual needs. So, you know, um, at this point, thank God, I don't think coronavirus is making most people homeless or not have food, but there certainly is a level of, you know, fear that people are probably experiencing at different amounts uh, at this point, depending on how close you are, how much of a warrior you are. Um, and, you know, we're thinking about sort of what programs did we have planned, you know, for the coming year um, and sort of how does coronavirus affect that? Um, are we going to be able to 
film more videos? Will we be, you know, under quarantine? Can we plan to film some upcoming videos? Uh, thank God the All-Star Awards is not uh, being scheduled for anytime soon. And it just kind of goes to show you how um, life can, you know, kind of quickly get put into perspective. I was pretty bummed out that we've had this warm, warm winter and we got like the one snowstorm for the All-Star Awards. It was still a beautiful event. We still had a huge turnout. We still made our most money ever. And kind of all winter long, I was like, mm, but there was the only snowstorm this year, really, Hashem? And now I'm looking at all these events that are canceling because of coronavirus. And I know how painful that is when you've been planning something for um, weeks and months and even you know up to a year to have your big day canceled is, is definitely devastating. So now I can look backwards and they say like, what is the gums Latova? How does gum, you don't always see the gums Latova um, beforehand, but sometimes you can look back and I can say, thank you Hashem that you only made it snow and you didn't make it a pandemic when we were having our gala at Alice Tully Hall. Um, so that gives me some appreciation for that. Um, I think the other thing I'm thinking about is some of the issues that we normally deal with here at Jew in the City. You know, when it comes to, we've been dealing with anti-Semitism recently. Um, we've had our meet a Jew in the city, make a friend pop-ups. We had one last week. It was super successful. We wrapped our um, Rugelach and individual Ziploc bags to make people feel more comfortable. But I think last week's sort of level of uh, people's fear and anxiety is different than this week's, will be different than next week's. Um, but we sort of think about like, if we go, you know, Maslow's hierarchy, is anti-Semitism sort of the top threat that we're dealing with right now, or do we have sort of this more immediate threat? Um, also, a few weeks ago, sort of on the anti-Semitism, um, you know, Parsha, we were seeing these crazy parades um, happening in Europe for Carnival. Um, you know, people dressed as Hasidic Jews in bug costumes, people dressed as Nazis and SS officers and Holocaust prisoners and it was horrifying. How could people do such a thing? How could they be so brazen and disrespectful to the lives of 6 million Kedoshim? Um, and now, you know, what, we're all sort of in this together. Coronavirus doesn't know color, race, creed, um, gender. We're really sort of all in this um, problem together. Um, and I don't think anyone even has the capacity to practice this, um, you know, too much hate against another group. I mean, although the truth is that there, there certainly is, um, obviously, around the Jews that we always get blamed for something. So there certainly is more online chatter, um, you know, that uh, the Jews have caused this. And most unfortunately, um, you know, the, the outbreak in New York did grow around the New Rochelle community. And most unfortunately, I mean, generally, it's a beautiful thing that our community is so interconnected, and we see each other again and again. It's a beautiful way of life. But when it comes to a highly contagious disease, um, that's a really dangerous part of our lifestyle. So um, we have heard that um, this, you know, sort of the, the outbreak sort of uh, beginning in the Jewish community has increased online chatter of anti-Semitism. But I happen to think that people don't really have the bandwidth or uh, the luxury to um, sort of perform any anti-Semitic acts right now because any sane person um, is going to be dealing with their own safety right now. Hopefully, I mean, I guess maybe some anti-Semites are, are not so sane, but um, again, sort of these issues that we're thinking of. And then, you know, another piece of our programming is you know, uh, changing people's uh, associations about Orthodox Jews. So is that sort of the most important thing that we need to be doing sort of in the face of a worldwide crisis or threat? And I would say 
no, like we're a nonprofit. We have to fulfill our mission, obviously. Um, we want to be here for the long term and, you know, keep growing, keep our programming going. Um, also give people something to be distracted with um, while they're, you know, holed up in quarantine. So on one hand, we do need to keep on going. On the other hand, you know, part of me keeps reminding myself this is not the top thing that's on people's minds. Um, we have the Project Macon piece of our programming, and that actually is a pretty, that's a pretty significant piece, even as we deal with um, this threat that's feeling more um, sort of uh, scary as the days go on. The Project Macon piece of our programming actually that doesn't really get put on hold in the midst of this. We still have members who are suicidal. We still have members that um, see a threat like this and feel like God is punishing them. Um, I even have a member that has done so much recovery and healing in her relationship with God. And she saw an email that I thought was completely healthy talking about turning to tefillah and, you know, uh, prayer and faith in these troubled times. And it triggered her a little bit. She said, this is where I came from that, you know, kind of everything gets blamed for, you know, we made mistakes and, and we turned to God. And I explained to her that um, that's not how the email that she got was approaching it. Number one, um, we're all very much talking about this worldly solutions. No one has their head in the sand and um, is pretending that anyone with a normal uh, hushkafa or approach that is, no one um, has an approach that well, we'll just pray this virus away. That's certainly not going to happen. Um, we have to be careful about hand washing and not touching our faces and staying out of large, you know, crowds and making sure the most vulnerable in our societies um, are really quarantined as much as possible. Um, and nobody is saying that we know the reason why this, um, you know, tragedy, this pandemic has occurred. Nobody healthy is saying that. Some crazy people are, but nobody healthy is saying that. Um, but you know, the piece about um, turning to Hashem um, is certainly something that we can and should be doing. Um, and so our members um, continue a lot of them to be in challenging positions um, in terms of their living situations, in terms of, you know, how they feel about themselves, how they feel about God. And so we are hoping that we can continue our Project Macomb programming to do social events so these members don't feel isolated. Because if you're already dealing with um, pre-existing mental health conditions and you add anxiety onto that, that certainly is a lot to um, to burden. It's a lot to shoulder. If you have voices of guilt or terror in your head about God and Judaism, that's you know a whole different thing mixing in than the rest of us that have a healthy approach to God and Judaism. So um, we're hoping that we can continue you know in small gatherings with lots of washed hands um, to have Project Makal um, events, social events, Jewish classes, um, we can certainly move uh, events to uh, video calls, which we do sometimes anyway, but if we need to, if we get quarantined, if that's what the CDC is recommending, then we could have um, just sort of a, a uh, online experience, although it's not the same thing as seeing each other in person. Um, in terms, we have two Shabbatons upcoming in May, God willing. Again, it's sort of hard to plan um, a couple months out because we frankly don't know where we'll be or what the world will be like at that point. So. Um, we're really having a little bit of a, a challenging time, like probably most people are um, sort of trying to figure out um, how do we continue our work? Um, how do we grow? Um, you know, a few months ago, we were talking about um, sort of planning our next stages for the future of the organization. And, you know, that thought of like planning future growth, it 
I'm not sort of looking in that same way right now. I'm thinking like, how do we sort of weather this storm? How do we continue fundraising to pay for our programs as they are now? How do we continue executing our programs um, in sort of this uh, change dynamic? Um, sometimes um, I've had like nightmares where a loved one is sick or God forbid dies, or I even had a nightmare one time about like an outbreak. I mean, there's been um, horror movies and books written on this topic. And thankfully we're not in the situation uh, of an Ebola type of threat where, you know, it's highly contagious and highly deadly. Um, thank God, um, COVID-19, as my son corrects me, my nine-year-old son is like, it's not coronavirus, it's COVID-19. Coronavirus is just a common cold. Um, these kids know so much. Um, so thankfully, it's not that level. And yet, even though it is a, a, a less sort of threatening level, um, it's certainly sweeping through um, the world quickly. Um, the you know level of mortality is certainly higher than the flu, um, but not as bad as other, God forbid, breakouts. But I was reading that the Spanish flu came back um, for the second time around, and it was more um, deadly the second time around. So um, there's certainly um, plenty to be worried about, and we kind of have to deal with this as human beings and sort of each of us in our own jobs. And I guess sort of my takeaway from this, or I have several takeaways, but um, sort of what we do especially special here at the organization at Jew in the City is um, turning to Judaism, turning to Amuna, turning to our sacred texts to find um, meaning and hopefully some comfort in the midst of all of this um, insanity. Um, obviously, we don't want a crisis like this to strike. It certainly feels uh, frightening. Um, and then at the same time, there is something so powerful about all of us being in this together. Like if you could imagine like what other, what other sort of event in the world, I'm 40 years old now, I just turned 40. Um, what other event in the world um, can I remember in recent times where we all sort of felt affected by it like simultaneously? So there was 9-11 I lived through, but that was really, you know, sort of New York focus where I was. Um, and then I think the rest of the country felt it, you know, a good amount as well. And the world felt it somewhat, but um, we're sort of, you know, all over the world, we sort of have this equal feeling of um, it's either here or it's coming soon or it's getting worse. And so people that you haven't spoken to in a while, or maybe you speak to all the time, um, there's just really, um, it's on everyone's mind. Anyone that is reading the news um, anytime recently, it's on their mind. So it's sort of this shared experience that we're sort of going through together, which is incredibly unifying, even if it's for um, the bad. Um, and it's this feeling of not being protected. It's this feeling of instability. Um, I think when we are living in our nice, warm, you know, safe homes and have plenty of food and our jobs feel secure, and obviously this is not for everyone, but for many people, when we are living in stable and secure situations, we kind of feel on top of the world. Um, we feel like the world is our oyster. I could go here, I could do that. And again, not everyone has that capability, obviously, but many people, um, you know, we just traveled to Greece a few months ago and you couldn't even flush your toilet paper there. We went to China last year and they didn't even have toilets. They had holes in the ground. And so even, you know, people living in um, some of the lowest, um, you know, dem uh, economic um, 
places in the U.S. still have basic functions in everyday life that they're missing in other parts of the world, places that we would consider reasonably developed. And so, you know, a lot of the people here have smartphones, even, you know, if they don't have a ton of money put away in the bank, live paycheck to paycheck, sort of what our, our basic standard of living um, is so incredible. Um, and most people do have, you know, a decent amount of safety. And then suddenly in a matter of days, um, even the wealthiest people um, are kind of in the same boat as as anyone else. You have world leaders now who have tested positive for coronavirus and are quarantined right now. And so suddenly, um, suddenly everything has sort of evened out and we have this unified thing that's bringing us together. And I think that what we really can turn to right now is is our God, is um, our God in heaven, is to draw near through prayer, through um, increased amuna, um, increased Torah study. Obviously, we need to continue to do all of the this worldly uh, recommendations for um, you know lowering our chances of getting the virus and staying as safe as possible. But um, there is a point where. I think, and I don't know, I, I used to be a person that didn't believe, so I've been a believer now for uh, probably about, what, 25 years? Um, I don't know how I would face this without believing in something more, and they say that there's no atheist in a foxhole, and I wonder, for the people that normally um, sort of don't, can't fathom believing in a higher power, in these moments of sort of feeling terrified or anxiety-ridden, do you open yourself up to saying, gosh, maybe there is a plan. Maybe there is something um, bigger. Maybe there is something to hope to. Because uh, it seems like how could you continue when those basic stabilities of life start to get ripped right out of the rug right under your feet? And I'm right now, um, I'm turning to prayer. I'm thinking about different prayers that um, we read every day and, and Psalms to him that we read sometimes. Um, I find a lot of comfort in this. Um, master of all worlds, we say this every day in our morning blessings. Not in the merit of our righteousness do we cast our supplications before you, but in the merit of your abundant mercy. What are we? What is our life? What is our kindness? What is our righteousness? What is our salvation? What is our strength? What is our might? What can we say before you, Hashem, our God and the God of our forefathers? Are not all the heroes like nothing before you? The famous as if they never existed, the wise as if devoid of wisdom, and the perceptive as if devoid of intelligence. For most of their deeds are desolate, and the days of their lives are empty before you. The preeminence of man over beast is non-existent, for all is vain. We are your people, members of your covenant, children of Abraham, your beloved, to whom you took an oath at Har Moriah, the offspring of Isaac, his only son, who was bound atop the altar, the community of Jacob, your firstborn son, because of the love with which you adored him and the joy that you delight in him, you named Israel and Yeshurun. Therefore, we are obliged to thank you, praise you, glorify you, bless, sanctify, and offer praise and thanks to your name. We are fortunate. How good is our portion, how pleasant our lot, and how beautiful our heritage. And so um, I feel like this really sort of sums up this feeling of who are we? What accomplishments have we made? Who? Maybe someone's a famous speaker, but they're... Uh, their conference get got canceled because of the coronavirus. Maybe they're a famous performer, musician. They can't perform in front of everyone, anyone. Maybe someone had a lot of money and, you know, God forbid the stock market took a dive, the economy took a dive, and suddenly everything gets evened out. What are we before you? 
all we can do really is, is trust in you, God. And thank you for what we have right now. What we have right now is we are living, we are breathing. Um, we don't know what will be from one moment to the next. I mean, obviously we're not, again, like I said, at the point of an Ebola type of crisis where um, at any moment it can go, God willing, most of us will survive this, but it's still, it's an unsettling feeling. It's not a feeling that most of us are used to. Um, I just spoke recently at a high school um, and in one of my talks, um, I mentioned that my daughter at three years old asked me um, what happens when you die. And I gave her an age appropriate answer. I told her that, you know, God willing, it won't happen for a very, very, very long time. She told me that her dad would never die. I told her that he would. Um, God willing, it wouldn't happen for a very, very, very long time, but eventually everybody dies. Daddy would die too. And our neshama leaves our body and joins with Hashem. And some of these girls came up to me after the talk was over and they were pretty upset. Why did you tell your daughter um, that her dad's going to die. I said, well, I didn't just bring it up, you know, uh, for no reason. She asked me a question or she made a statement to me that her father is immortal. And I corrected her and I said, that is not true. That is not the way of the world. And it made them uncomfortable that I was willing to have an uncomfortable conversation with my child. I said, what would you have me say? And one of the girls suggested, I would just tell her, uh, we'll talk about it later. Another girl piped in and said, oh no, that's a horrible way to respond. My parents did that to me and we have no communication. And I concurred. I think it's a horrible way to respond. But um, there are some people that have been raised in a bubble, a bubble of privilege, a bubble of everything being so cushy and comfort comfortable at every moment that they never have to stretch themselves. They never have to lean on um, their God in heaven because every single need is taken care of. Um, and while it's a little bit of a terrifying uh, reality to consider, um, I think that we can actually lean into some of this fear and some of this anxiety, and we can lean on our loving parent in heaven. It doesn't mean that when we have faith or when we pray, we get the answer that we want, because that's not the way the world we know that. Um, it doesn't mean that we know why this happened. We are we are not prophets. Um, and anyone that tells anyone that they know why something bad happened, um, the book of Eov uh, teaches us against doing this. Um, and the Gemara tells us this is actually honest of arms. This is, um, you know, considered like hurtful words to tell someone that you know why they went through something bad. Um, but we certainly can use this feeling of discomfort to lean on Hashem, who is our Tzor Yisrael, who is our um, our rock of Israel. Prudential um, is has their symbol as the rock, or there's an expression, the rock of Gibraltar. Um, it's this idea that it's solid footing under really a person that's not so stable. On one hand, it kind of sounds like cynics who call religion a crutch or the opiate for the masses. Um, and while I wouldn't agree that Judaism is a crutch, I would agree that we can't make it on our own. A crutch implies that we're lame um, and hunched over. And I don't think that's the position that um, a person of faith has in Judaism. I think that actually the footing that God gives us as our rock of Israel enables us to stand strong and proud and erect. But we have to acknowledge who are we? What is our life? What can we say before you? We are nothing in a moment a pandemic can sweep through our world and suddenly for all of our accomplishments and all of our security that we built up, it could be gone in an instant. So we shouldn't be so brazen and so arrogant to think that it's on us. It's not. It is only you, um, Hashem. Um, and so I think that this can be an opportunity for growth. 
um, for each of us in our personal relationships to God to speak to God more in our own words. Um, I like to um, pray before I go to bed after I say Shema to do something called his Bodhidus. I haven't done this in a while, but I think now that I'm talking about it, I will to just speak freely in my own words. Please keep us safe. Please protect my family and my loved ones in the world. Please help us find a vaccine quickly. Please help our measures of containing this work. Um, please, Hashem, watch over your children, the children of the planet Earth. Um, there's something that we can really powerful that we can get when we lean in to God in these moments. Um, I'm also looking at at Psalms at Tehillim right now. Min um, karasi ka anani ka. In distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me with relief. Um, the thing about Meitzar is that um, they say from the straits or from the narrows. And I'm, as I was looking at this, I was thinking about quarantine, <laughs> being trapped. So it could either be in my distress, or it could also be sort of in my little box where I had to stay for two weeks. I called out to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and brought me relief. God is on my side. I have no fear. What can man do to me? With God on my side as my helper, I will see the downfall of my foes, coronavirus. It is better to take refuge in God than to trust in mortals. It is better to take refuge in God than to trust in the great. All the nations have beset me. By the name of God, I will surely cut them down. They beset me. They surrounded me. But the name of God, I will surely cut them down. Um, and it kind of continues like this. And I, I think that um, obviously this is still developing. There's still a lot that we don't know. Um, but I would implore everyone listening today, um, whether you're a believer or a possible believer um, or very much a believer, um, we can use this opportunity um, to increase our faith, um, increase our acts of kindness, increase our prayer. Uh, we're going to try to, you know, as our response to this epidemic, or pandemic, there we go, um, try to find ways to bring inspiration to you, our readers and listeners. Um, because, you know, again, like I said, maybe some of the other things that we do feel sort of less urgent in a time when um, safety feels like the number one priority, but um, mental health is a part of safety as well. If we go into panic, that won't be good either. And so um, we're going to try to, in the, you know, coming weeks or however long this lasts, to find ways to bring you content that will hopefully give you inspiration, um, hopefully, you know, put a smile on your face, look for acts of kindness that are being done. We had some we were supposed to bring on for the show today uh, talking about acts of kindness in the time of coronavirus, and he was too busy helping out with coronavirus to talk to us, but hopefully we'll bring him on soon. Um, and that's the way that we're going to respond because um, obviously we can't uh, pretend that nothing's happening. That would be insane. And we can't lose our minds over this. And we should use this um, as an opportunity for growth. And hopefully when this is over and we all survive this, um, we'll be able to look back. Um, you know, there will unfortunately probably be some losses and that will be hard to manage. But for our own growth, um, what we'll tell our children one day, um, how we got through it with faith and acts of kindness and prayer. Um, and so we are wishing everyone listening out there um, health and uh, increased faith and uh and we should only hear good news. Um, thank you for listening. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.